CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called the Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. I was on the live stream when this guy called, and he was like, hey, um, we just want to make a, a musical about you. And Martin just goes, fine. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Barrett Share. Hello. And Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And today we have a very special guest. It's director Brent Hodge, who's made a documentary called Pharma Bro. It's about Martin Shkreli. Remember that guy? Remember Martin <laughs> Shkreli? Uh, it's on digital October 5th. Uh, Brent, welcome to the Sincast. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to know what you thought needed to be. You needed to probe the uh, the the man Martin Shkreli more than you'd already heard on the news and everything. What what inspired you to make a documentary about this guy who you know was for a while there like the most hated guy in the world? He was. He was coined. I think 2016's most hated man in America. Mm-hmm. But it, like, and he awesome. had stiff competition, by the way, in that year. That's true. He did. Who else was it? Trump and <laughs> yeah. There's so many of them, wasn't there? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's it, honestly, it's exactly what you just said. It's like what made you want to do it. I don't think anybody was doing it right. If you if you read, if you go back into Google, a Google thing, and you start looking up Martin Shkreli 2015, start reading some articles. Like nobody's getting this story right. They're not going deep enough. There's some like extremely late lazy journalism going on. Um, and I, I just like, there, there was so much missing. I kept sort of asking like, okay, we're talking about toxoplasmosis and Daraprem. Why is nobody talked to a patient? Like maybe we should right. talk to that instead of this weird CEO dude. Um, let's go down the Wu-Tang album thing. Why has nobody asked Ghostface? <laughs> why are we only seeing, why is TMZ the best interview with Ghostface right now? Like, what is happening? So I was, I was more um, interested in that. And then I sort of stumbled upon this, this uh, live stream of his where you're like, Martin Shkreli hasn't commented. He won't comment. He's this. We can't get a hold of him. He's brassed against any press. And you're like, what are you talking about? He's right here. I literally did one search and his mm-hmm. live stream would go all night, every night. Wow. And he'd give you his phone number and you could call. And you're like, this is insane. The one guy that everybody hates. I can actually ask him anything I want right now. That's, that's a documentarian's dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a lot of influence from films in my life. Like, especially documentaries. You look at Michael Moore's Roger and me, right. one of my favorites. Like he's on this quest to find the guy that can answer his <laughs> questions. And I, I loved all that. I love how deep people can go. Um, I love like these odd sort of documentaries that you can't script um, exit through the gift shop or like Rachel and Heidi who did Jesus camp. Like these are my mm. favorite weird kind of movies and they, they really, they inspired me. And, and I was I was just going down this this route with Martin. I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting my entire movie by calling in right now. And now he's telling us where he lives. And I'm going to go further. I'm going to move into his apartment building. <laughs> and I'm going to get to know him. And I'm going to see if this guy is exactly what I'm getting told. Because people that are telling me are not telling me anything. 
They're literally telling me nothing. The headlines were like, AIDS killer buys Wu-Tang album, uses it as coaster. I'm like, all right, what did he do? What did he do with the other 23 hours of his day? Like, they're, right. they're doing nothing. And so that was the inspiration of, of, of it all. Um, little did I know where it would all go. It, it went to a crazy place. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Michael, and- Michael Moore is not moving next door to these people. So screw Michael Moore. <laughs> I mean, you, you, took, you took that next step and uh, you did it. <laughs> I did it. I will say, um, you know, he went to jail pretty early, right? Like I yeah. get into his apartment building, his actual, you know, his actual apartment room with him and we're chatting and I go on his live stream, which is like this weird matrix moment where you cross over to the digital world. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and <laughs> what a great yeah. moment, by the way. Yeah. And well, it was a really sort of tender moment where you're like, okay, whatever facade has been put up by anything that this guy has presented to us, uh, you can't take away the fact that I met you face to face. I at least get a reaction and the audience is with me. Um, but I would say that was sort of like opening. I, I was hoping that was just going to be the opening to, to more. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to jail literally the next day. Oh, so, wow. so then there we are. And I'm like, well, how do we, how do we, what, what, what am I missing? Like I have all these live streams, 500 plus hours recorded of live streams, minimum mm-hmm. times. What is this movie? Like what, who is this guy? And uh, getting Blumhouse was a big deal for me. Yeah. A really big deal. I, I sort of come off watching the jinx. And I really love what they did with Robert Durst of like, mm-hmm. I'm sort of super villain dude. Can this story kind of change uh, the trajectory of a trial? What is going on? And it was so scary to me, like scarier than any Blumhouse movie. And I love that. I was like, all right, we're making a horror documentary. Let's go. Um, mm-hmm. But let's get everybody. Like if we're going to do this, let's get his lawyer and let's get Daryl Prem patients. Let's get Billy the Fridge. He's a troll. We got to hear the troll, troll culture. Let's get Wu-Tang. We won't. <laughs> This isn't done until I get everybody. Um, and that's that was sort of like the journey of it, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, there's so many millions of things that we're going to talk about today. I don't even know where to start. But um, uh, the first thing I want to the documentary makes clear that the price increase of Daraprim is not the only drug that's ever been ever seen price gouging. Um, and, uh, there, and, and there's just no laws against it in the United States. So why was he the face of this problem? I mean, that's sort of crazy is he decided to be the face of it. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny, September 20th, so exactly six years ago, September 20th, 2015, literally six years ago today or yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, he confirmed like publicly that he raised the price of Daraprim by 5,000% or whatever it was, mm-hmm. 5,500%. And you're like, why? Why do you feel that you need to be the person? I mean, maybe it's an attention seeking thing. Maybe he was just thought it could be transparent. I, I really mm-hmm. don't know. But yeah, you look at all these, like look at Quest Core, they shoot up drugs. Look at Mylan that did the EpiPen. There's no like CEO that's in front of this going, hi everyone, I'm here to answer all your questions. <laughs> like, right. no. And then, and then those people don't live stream and those people also, it, that's what was fascinating about it. That's what I found so incredibly weird is like, you get a PR person, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like it was, <laughs> it, you watched a guy crash and burn in a way. Um, and he like enjoyed it. It was it was so strange. But yeah, you're right. He's not the first person to do this, and he does not represent big pharma. He's a very small player in the game, and uh, yet uh, attention was was on him. Like six years ago, at this exact time, my God, I wouldn't. I don't even want to know what September twenty first, two thousand fifteen, looked like for Martin Scully. That was wild. Yeah, and 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 the thing that maybe you can explain this to me because this is something that I and I didn't get about. 
you know, so this company, you know, uh, you know, makes uh, something that was thirteen dollars and fifty cents, uh, seven hundred and fifty dollars a pill. Um, and but then they're like, well, whoever needs the drug is going to be able to get it. Everybody's got access to it. It's not a it's not a big deal. And then you even have the story of the of the one guy who uh, asked a question on the Reddit AMA, um, who uh, Screlly ended up paying for all that guy that that guy's supply of this drug so uh, did, were, were, are people not getting this drug is that that's for a fact right nobody's there's it, it, does this drug do sell much at all what is the deal with this drug i mean this is where you get into the copays and the insurance companies and all the loopholes that they have and how there can't be a, a generic version of it for a certain amount of years based off of the orphan drug act and like we break it down to like at least a minimal level in the film because i feel like it's important to kind of explain it but the reality mm-hmm. is, 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 is it, it kind of a bullshit system and they found a loophole and that's the way that the system works currently. Um, mm-hmm. Is there people that don't get the drug? I mean, I talked to a ton of patients on the phone and this is the reality of it. And I thought we could openly speak and have them on camera. Like someone who's sick doesn't want to go on camera. That's, right. That was like a huge um, sort of lesson learned for me of like, not everybody wants to grab a megaphone and say their side of the story and be a victim to the system or anything. Some people are sick and they mm-hmm. don't want to, they, they, they don't want to tell everyone in the world that they have HIV. Um, they don't want to tell everyone they have toxic plasma. It's like a really weird sort of, again, it's an orphan drug. It's like, an, and it's a, it's a rare disease. So it's, it's a bit odd how it affects certain people. Sometimes it affects them um, a lot and they lose eyesight and other people. It's like, it's, it has a connection to, cats and pregnant women and cat litter like it, it's wild um this this thing and uh and i will say that of everyone the one public guy that comes out patrick rice he's in our film mm-hmm. i mean what a weird story he goes yeah. read it ama and gets the drug because his his gold plan wouldn't give it to him he's a whatever happened in this system he had to go on ama to get a hold of scrilly like that's not a business model that's terrible that demonstrates the, the entire, I think I thought she did a great recap of the orphan drug uh, act uh, and, mm-hmm. and how that, that does expose, you know, as well as I do at this point, like how these generic manufacturers uh, like Retrofen who bought out, you know, this or, or, or Teva or any other uh, sort of generic drug maker make it for pennies. And all of it is profit. Even at thirteen fifty, is profit. And when you jack it up, then it's it's all profit. So yeah, when somebody does say, "Hey, can I get this?" Sure, because we're essentially getting it for if we bought mm-hmm. it at cost. And yeah, I can give it to you. It's not coming out of my pocket, uh, and it could help everybody that that is afflicted with this. But yet there is no incentive for it. And and he's Shakrali's vilified for jacking it up so much, but he's not wrong about the process, right? He's he's not doing anything illegal in this sense, right? No, no, immoral maybe, um, unethical yeah. maybe, like not nothing illegal. And he never even was really punished, besides that opening thing that we have in the film where he's in Congress and they sort of make a statement about it, and he's like, mm-hmm. totally jerked everyone. But like, why are they even having him there? Like, that's actually. You know, why, why not just speak to him privately and actually do something about it instead of putting him on the stand? 
it was the whole thing's really effed up. And I would say like what I love the most about filmmaking is you kind of get these questions and you're like, why, why, like, why is, why are we talking to a patient? Has anyone talked? Can I, can I just go and like, I can literally just call a patient if I want, I'm a filmmaker and I'm inquiring. And that's where my curiosity went down. Like I didn't know anything. I still don't really know anything about the pharma world and I don't need to, mm-hmm. the audience doesn't. So when you, when I'm really happy that you enjoyed the breakdown of the orphan drug act and everything, because that's coming from, a Canadian, by the way, we have free healthcare, and I'm like, what is happening down there? Um, right. And so, for me to sort of have to break it down in the simplest form, it's still complicated. And I'm like, what oh, for is sure, this? Yeah. And Screlly becomes like a specimen of an experiment that is a movie. You're like, he's actually just specimen A, and he's kind of this weird mm-hmm. dude. And he bought the Wu Tang album, so like, he fits in this wrinkle of pop culture, and it works. But if you want to back up, are we just talking about? pharma are we just doing a very different film about pharma uh and then what's the conclusion well the conclusion is that the, out of all of this the pill is still 750 dollars. like yeah. what still to this day right now if you need daraprim it's 750 dollars a pill yeah nothing changed um the only thing that changed is that time has passed and there is now there's eligibility for a generic version which they've created that's literally it i am I had uh, I had read also that when the that that price was announced that sometime later Shkreli wanted to reduce it, but the company sort of turned him down. Or is is that just m- a myth uh, of some sort that that happened? I don't know what happened with him and his companies after all this because it's sort of unclear. I mean, uh, you know, like he had Retrofin and then he had Turing. Now Turing changed their name. They tried to get him out, but he's still like actively on the board, but now that he's in jail, he can't be, I don't quite, and then he started some other company and did some other, you know, another drug company. Like it got a little blurry and unclear to me as I was going through of like, where are the companies at? And these companies, once the Screlly thing happened, they weren't talking. I mean, I tried mm. to go <laughs> to mm. one of the, one of the labs for Retrofin just to get to see somebody to talk. Yeah. Um, that was my favorite moment of the film, by the way. I just <laughs> it was <laughs> such a human moment of, <laughs> of that interaction of, you know, I'm not going to be totally honest with you, but I'm going to be a little bit honest with yes. you. Yes, we're going to spit on him if he was here. And you're like, wow, yeah. that's uh, okay. No. There's, no, there's no PR person that wants to talk to you at all if you mention mm-hmm. that person. To be honest, I think we're just going to take a break from PR until <laughs> Martin Screlly's name goes away. That's kind of what I got every time I talked to the drug companies. Um, you know, but I would say like people who argued against Screlly, we have a lot of um, different d- doctors and people who sort of are, are, are in this world and represent uh, the toxoplasmosis community. Whatever, like they were in Judith Aberg, for example, she's in the film. These people were pretty open to talking, especially once Martin went to jail and they knew that they weren't mm-hmm. going to get like trolls at them. They were very open to to saying their opinions about this, 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 this story and, and just America in general and where we're at with drug pricing. Yeah. Um, the, the, this documentary also touches on, I guess what you would call troll culture. Um, and believe us, you know, we are, uh, we, we, uh, made a name of for ourselves by being tremendous trolls to movies and everything. So we understand, all of that and everything uh, is it, it's it's weird to me though that this guy seems pretty likable uh, otherwise, but he he's just such like he's so 
um, he's so outwardly a troll when he's in public and everything. Uh, how were you, how, what, what did you end up, uh, how, how did you end up thinking about this guy by the time you got to the end of this movie? Well, this is, you know, it's a journey of that too. Um, I mean, what was wild was within two clicks on the internet, you could get to his live stream. And that mm-hmm. was like, to me, a really sort of intimate place where enough people were there. But after a while, you stay, if you stay on all night and it's four or five in the morning, he's still awake and he's doing random stuff. He's, he's, he's giving finance lessons or he's playing guitar or he's answering his phone to random people answering, asking him questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sharing his screen. He's playing video games. If you stay long enough, people pretty much weed out and college kids that are bros, like, or like, I got a hold of them. They're out. And it's this like interesting depth of trolls and humanity. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of sit there and then come back the next night and do the same thing and come back the next night and we got 500 plus hours of that recorded. Like I was really there. Um, yeah. That's a weird world. The trolling world's weird. And talking to Billy the Fridge in the movie, pretty popular. Yeah. Show, he really sort of broke it down of like, it's a make-believe world that you can get to make up and um, you know, you're, it's entertainment and it's this and it can harm people. Uh, it really can harm people and they go for it and that's, that's brutal. But yeah. ultimately there, there was something sort of calming about seeing Martin in that world or just like existing there and recording there. Um, mm-hmm. You get answers to questions that you would never get if you put them in front of a camera and put spotlights in front of his face in a Hollywood studio. It just wouldn't have happened. And and I, I, I sort of like gained a different and new respect for trolling where I'm a Canadian. So before I was like, this is just pure nihilism. This is negative. Like we are mm-hmm. happy. We say sorry and we are happy to be here. And like, <laughs> and I was so confused on what this was um, and why it, 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 why people care and why it exists. And I'll say that I like, I learned a little bit more of the depths of it and maybe the support of it. Nobody else is supporting Martin. So where does he turn to? Right. Mm-hmm. It's like that moment in the Joker at the end of the movie, Todd Phillips yeah. version, right? Where like the ambulance or whatever he was in crashes and they like lift him up. I was like, whoa, yeah. this is this is insane. <laughs> and um and I'm like, you're gonna find people that love you and hate you. And what Martin's found here is the people that love him. Like and I can't argue with that. They love him for whatever reasons and they get the support for whatever reasons they get from him. Um, it's about as real as it gets though in terms of conversations. It's bullshit. They're just having mm-hmm. bullshit combos. Um, and like some people on there are like wearing masks and they got guns and some people on there are just calling and trolling. It's really strange. Um, but I will say like it was, there was something oddly calming about it. And I got mm-hmm. a lot of, I got a lot of quotes and material from my journey that I needed from those live streams. Yeah. You, you said something to the effect that you had watched so much footage at that point, you were just, you were out of it or something, you know, like I can't imagine having weeded through all of that, uh, just constant, like, you know, uh, live stream stuff. I mean, it must've been, uh, a time, you know, you must've just been exhausted at the end of it. Yeah. And I'd say like, it takes a village to make a documentary. It's not one person, you know, and if anyone says that they, they, they make the film by themselves and I'm sure they've had help. Uh, there was a, you know, I have a, I have a great team of people that were helping me. I wouldn't, there's no way you could stay up all night, uh, on these live streams. I'd have, mm-hmm. we do some shift work and we would have different people help. Um, 
editors would go in and kind of mark parts for me. We would like bin them and figure it out. But like the, the difference between this film and others, like there's no budget, there's no call sheets, there's nothing. We're just, mm-hmm. we don't know what's happening next. That's a true documentary. It was really exciting and different. A um, yeah. little bit of a slow burn though, because not a lot happens in real life. You know, like you sort of accumulate five years and you're like, okay, we have enough for a 90 minute movie, but not a lot happens uh, in one evening uh, when you're watching a live stream, maybe nothing. That's yeah. hard. that's hard. Um, <laughs> watching this guy play chess. This is the worst <laughs> night of my yeah. life. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, yeah, that's why we sort of took it to the next level too. And we're like, all right, let's move into his building. What's he saying? Where he lives? Let's go. Let's like he's he's saying, call me. He's saying, do this. Fine, let's go. Let's try this stuff. Let's let's do more. Um, let's go deeper. Let's go further. Let's go to Skrell, Albania. Let's like meet. This, this, like, uh, let's start from the beginning. Then what? Yeah. It's in Brooklyn. Okay. And how do you get <laughs> funds? Okay. What is the Orphan Drug Act? Why has no one talked to Wu Tang? And you start to do it and you're like, this is really entertaining. <laughs> like, in mm-hmm. the end, this is, this is extremely entertaining, kind of funny, kind of scary movie. I just look at the, you know, the guy who is, you know, who would be behind, uh, you know, jacking up the price of this really life-saving drug compared to the guy that we see uh behind the scenes like i feel like in there's a there's a moment in this movie that's fairly and i mean it's it's not innocuous it's your first time you meet him um uh, he seems just like a normal dude through all this and then you know and then giving giving that guy his his drug supply and all this and like saying that he wanted to put you know a buy a buy a house for his mom and all this and like you know is is that part of him uh you know is that part of him uh i don't know kind of uh, it, it seems like he has struggles within himself uh like you would think that a guy like that would be upset that he's behind that kind of a price gouging type of thing i know this is where it's like you know the quest to kind of figure him out socially of like mm-hmm. where his dance is and he says this sort of like I want to buy my mom this or like talks about that but then the he buys like the domain name of some some journalist which is like pure right. harassment like what right. a weird sort of like power quest mm-hmm. um I don't know I don't know if there's like I don't have all that much like sympathy for some of the good things he did I'm more like some of the moves he made are like really wrong and then some mm-hmm. are like some are like pretty genius like the Wu-Tang album buying thing and the idea of that and his explanation mm-hmm. of that, he was explaining, remember this, he said like, I think he wrote it. It was like a blog post or something. He wrote, um, you know, the music industry is only $50 billion, like the entire industry. And that's like some less money than some companies make. Like that's mm-hmm. how small this thing actually is. It has a huge impact, but it's so small, like financially. And we don't really see that. And yet we also have a problem with buying a piece of music. Like we won't, we won't purchase music. And there was just like a, I, when he did that, I was like, holy cow, you just like really put it, you put your money where your mouth is on this one. And you like put it out on the line to put a value on something that's kind of weird and outrageous. And like, I don't know, like I hadn't heard of Wu-Tang in a little bit. Like they're obviously <laughs> legends, but I was like, what? They're, I didn't even know that this was going on and you have this thing and you're not letting anybody listen to it. And you're being a troll in that respect mm-hmm. that was a pretty bold move but then he flips it and he's like i'm using it as a coaster with like all the money <laughs> i made from drugs you're like right stop it like 
you had me for a second. You really had me. And then I guess that's trolling, right? I guess that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, the, that's sort of the art of it. Um, it sort of had that idea of like, can we out troll the troll? Can we like get to know him? And he actually has some like, is there a friendship there? Can we like put everything aside and just have a beer together? That's, that's the ultimate hit. And Billy, the fridge says it in the movie. Like if you get to know him, like you've got him and uh, you try, maybe we didn't get to know him. I mean, you know, maybe I have no idea that the, when you're on a live stream, is that just a persona of you? Like, is mm-hmm. it, all I know is I met him and I looked him in the eyes and that's all I got. And the audience was with me. So yeah. we got as close as anybody else did, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, uh, tell us about your comic book theme in this movie because you have a thread going through here where, you know, people are comparing him to a comic book supervillain. Uh, but what the comic book uh, guy is telling us is that, you know, supervillains are, you know, tend to have, you know, they have that one trait or whatever. They're evil and that's about it. And like, uh, can you really compare Martin Shkreli to a, a comic book supervillain? Talk about that theme that you, that, when did you bring, when did you come up with that theme and how did you know that you were going to put it in the movie? I think the media helped me with that one. They were just calling him the most evil man in America and supervillain. And he was even sort of saying like, I will be your Bond villain. If that's what you think. And I'm evil. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Travis, he's a, he's a psychologist who's in the film. He, he really sort of, uh, amped it up and kind of like, I think he wrote an article that I hit and I was like, Oh, I'm going to talk to you on the phone. Can we like see if Martin Shkreli fits all these? And he knew everything about Martin and it obviously follows the news and pretty much anybody who puts themselves in like an evil light. Um, mm-hmm. M- Martin, a lot of the time on these live streams, is like pretty obsessed with wrestling as well. There's a whole wrestling theme. The mm-hmm. few times where he like live stream from SmackDown and I, <laughs> you know, the idea of having that like sort of, um, undeveloped sort of like good versus evil uh was 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 quite prominent in how he like responded to people he'd call like people would call in and it would be like the nicest guy and then within a minute he would switch and be a jerk to the next guy and then he'd be nice you don't know which one you're getting i think he just i think it got developed sort of organically through that and then we really dissected it at like a psychology level and sort of a pop culture level with com- actual comic books and actual villains that we know. Like, how is he like the penguin? Why is he like the Joker? Uh, you know, um, yeah. you know, in, and, and the Riddler, we just go through all of them. Um, and then you started weirdly seeing that, that he would, he would compare himself in interviews like that. And we put these in the movie, like he's on TMZ and someone, someone, someone said, you feel like, I feel like you think you're like a Lex Luthor. And I was like, what the hell? Mm. I just thought about that. And so it started to kind of piece together um, almost perfectly. And even the way that the Wu-Tang clash happened, it's all kind of in this odd make-believe world. Um, <laughs> Blumhouse is a big, big, uh, you know, example of that. They, they've done a few films in this world and they're doing Spawn. And I like that a lot. And when they came on board, I was, they, they were the perfect partners in a lot of ways. Um, I got a lot of influence from the Jinx. They put the jinx mm-hmm. out a few years mm-hmm. right before we started and just Robert Durst and this idea of who he was and how the film kind of gets to know him and you make your own conclusions. I just said Jason Blum jumping into the doc world was just so genius. And uh, I, I got, so I got a lot of influence from their, their films as well on how they broke down. Um, what's the other one they did spawn. They've done spawn, but it was um, 
It's the one, um, I, I think it's called Unbreakable. Maybe I'm wrong. It's like Bruce Willis and, and, uh, and um, who else is in it? <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. But, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the one. You know the one, right? And there's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or they did like the second version of that. And um, anyway. It, yeah, it yeah. They, had, they did uh, uh, Glass and Split and that's all right. that. Yeah. yeah. Glass. There was always a comic book theme, which I liked. Um, mm-hmm. I just like this idea of comparing it to what we know in pop culture, because whether we like it or not, he was sort of, you know, getting, he was kind of embedding himself in culture. Like we didn't mm-hmm. have a choice. <laughs> he mm-hmm. bought the album. As soon as he bought that album, I was like, he's now different. This isn't just a person who can get a PR company to, to, to take this over. He, he's here. He's arrived. Mm-hmm. We have no choice. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, and is it, is it no doubt in your mind that because of all of this, this is why he got investigated for securities fraud? I mean, you know who knows the most about that is the farmer bro, the journalist who fell in love with the farmer bro, Chrissy Spade. Who I just talked to, by the way, we did a one-on-one interview for her publication, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't talked to her since our interview, but she sort of knows more about the, um, the dates of all that. She like, mm-hmm. but, but yes, I mean, Absolutely, I would say uh, the attention that he put on himself and put himself in the spotlight attracted um, an FBI investigation. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it, it 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 seems obvious, but you never know, right? I guess. I mean, it's 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 always a question. You have to actually be in the FBI or something to know that. Yeah, uh, I mean, we would have never heard about it if he wasn't popular. I'll tell you that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So FBI go after a lot of people all the time, but we would have never heard about it. Um, but I don't know how all that really went. I, like the timeline gets a little confusing um, for it. You know, it, it's like, I think he, I don't know if he bought the album at that point, but he was definitely going to be, or was under investigation. Um, as I the, think I remember that all converging at the same time. When, uh, of course, you know, who knows? My memory is, is probably bad on this, but it seemed like all of that came around the same time. It happened really quick too. I mean, you're talking yeah. like between 20, again, t- September 20, 20th, 2015, a year, like six years ago, exactly. And the mm-hmm. next year he was deemed the most hated man in America by like the mm-hmm. next year. It was a crash and burn. Um, and, you know, he just just kept answering questions, kept going on those live streams. It was insane. I mean, he could he he was on he was on pace to be the next Milo Ianopoulos, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how is that? By the way, who how is that guy uh, behind the scenes? Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Like, you I, can I, talk I, bad about him. You're in a safe place. Oh, I happily talk bad about my life. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, but like the behind the scenes is like, I don't actually know because he just came in, sat down, did his interview and left. I would, oh, love, okay. to say, I would love to sit here right now and say, yep, he uh, hung out and uh, we were in Florida and we had a beer and I actually got to ask him about some issues and some things. Like I didn't get any of that. I got the camera <laughs> version of Milo, which I actually thought was pretty good. And he dove into, you know, super villain elements of it and like troll elements. Um, I thought his interview was very necessary for this film. He was also mm-hmm. doing a lot with Martin um, at the time. Like he was, uh, they were doing those live talks and different things. So mm-hmm. it was kind of this weird moment, but like, yeah, I don't know what he's like behind the scenes. I don't care what he's, 
<laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> he brings up a, he brings up one of the more interesting points though when he says that you know one of the things about Martin that's hard to figure out is we know what he hates, but you don't really know what he's advocating for. I love um, that. I yeah. absolutely love that part, and it's so true. And that was sort of the question for him was like, okay, you guys seem to be on the same train together, whatever you want to call this train. What's the difference between the two of you? And the difference is like he knew exactly what he was wanting where he kind of, he kind of compares Martin to like, to punk rock, right. To like nihilism Mm -hmm. and not in a sexy way, like in a, in a like crash and burn kind of way. And I don't know if there's an ultimate goal out of it besides pure nihilism, which is really really kind of scary, right? That's where it gets, Mm -hmm. that's where this becomes a horror film where like Mm -hmm. you look into Milo's eyes and he's scared and doesn't understand the motive, you're like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I again, this goes back to like, I wanted everybody from Wu-Tang to Milo to this love interest journalist, uh, Chrissy Smythe, to his lawyer. I wanted everybody. Like that was, that's that to me is a documentary. Like let's get all sides of this. Let's not just get a headline that tells me who he is. Let's get them all. Since I've never seen her, anybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, I've never seen anybody more satisfied with what he's just said than Milo oh, yeah. Yiannopoulos. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really, truly don't know. And and um, I don't even know if they're like, are they even pals? That was like, yeah. I'd, I'd love to know if Milo even, has he contacted Martin? Has he said, you know, I hope you're doing it? I have no idea. No clue. Mm-hmm. I, I bet the answer is probably no. Uh, since you brought uh, her up, uh, you, you you have this kind of interesting, I guess, twist, you know, uh, that I definitely didn't see coming there at the end uh, with the journalist. Uh, did you know that going in? Did you know the relationship aspects? What's the date today? September 21st, 2021. Yeah. Okay. So, so I did that interview with Chrissy Smythe like four years ago. Like I'm talking wow. like zero percent. I did that interview with a journalist at Bloomberg who's covered a lot of Martin Shkreli's stuff. And just like I have a journalist from the New York times, a journalist from Elle magazine and New York post. I just wanted like an array of journalists. Mm-hmm. I was also sort of curious that like, she's a journalist that's gotten quite close, but he doesn't own her domain name. He was buying everybody mm-hmm. else's domain name. Um, the one thing that really prompted me to want to do that interview is I had heard that she somehow got the rights to write his book. And I was like, you got the rights to write Martin Shkreli's book? And she's writing a book called Smirk. Great name. Great name. Great <laughs> I don't even know if that's going to be the full title or, or what. And so I wanted to talk to her. So I met up with her in Brooklyn. And I just wanted to know, like, how do you get access to Martin Shkreli? How do you get his book rights? Like, how did this go down? And um, we chatted. Uh, and I didn't get really any inclination of, of any of it. I just thought mm-hmm. she was a journalist. <laughs> But she did know a lot about him, but I'm just journalists. Some journalists are really good at their job and know a lot about people um, and, and people that they've had to cover in court and different things. And uh, then I did an interview with her. The first sort of lower third on her on our movie was Chrissy Spife, author of Smirk, Bloomberg journalist. And then this whole mm-hmm. thing changed. It was crazy. Then you go back to your raw interview and you realize that your instincts are probably spot on. And I asked her in, mm-hmm. in the interview, I'm like, I can't tell if you like him or not. And she's like, I don't know if I do either. I right. did leave that. I did leave that interview with like a little bit of a hint of like, I, I didn't think they were going to be in a relationship in jail. This is crazy. But I did, 
I did have sort of an inclination. Um, when we went to the courthouse, when his, when his trial was on, um, I remember walking in and journalists were all to the left and everybody, you know, it's, they sort of have, they place people. And mm-hmm. I looked over and I remember seeing Martin Scarley's parents there and she was sitting next to them. And I was, oh. yeah. And I was so confused and I was, mm-hmm. I remember going, why? She, so I knew that she had a different relationship with Martin, but I, but she was married. So I didn't assume any of this. Um, I will say the story coming out didn't shock me, but it did, um, help our movie a lot. Um, yeah. It, oh, did. It, really <laughs> it was amazing. It really did. And I won't even say that from like, only, not from a story perspective, just from Martin was kind of out of the news for a hot minute. Um, he s- seems to come back in cycles, but when you're selling a movie and when you're trying to get it out to the world, you want that cycle to hit exactly when your meetings for your sales are and it, and it did. Yep. So it was, it was kind of like a, whoa, this guy isn't going away, is he? And you're like, no, he's actually as popular right now as he was five years ago and jail has not stopped any of this. Um, so that kind of pushed us over the edge and actually got this film like an air date and got us out. So I actually thanked her today. <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah. I, I think, I, I think I'm supposed to thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, the book's funny because I got a little bit of an update on the book of like, she's actually, they scrapped it for now. She's going to put it out, but she's not, she doesn't know what the intent or the sort of objective is anymore. I was like, well, mm. I thought, yeah, I, I imagine, I imagine it started one way. And as soon as she fell in love with him, she was like, I don't know if I can be, you know, uh, impartial about this anymore. Yeah. You I know? don't know. I mean, all I know is that she, I thought I went deep and she went way deeper. Like <laughs> she, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That, yeah. That was, that's the story of like Chrissy Smythe in our film is that she, um, she did an interview and I, I definitely got this sort of, like head scratch moment. I remember, I truly remember like sound guy and, and the DP and me were like, what was, what, what did she do? Like she's, she, I was like, she's a journalist, but she knows him. She's writing his book. She knows him quite well. They're like, yeah, she like really knows Martin. Like that's probably the most in-depth interview of anybody that knows him. Um, and like mm-hmm. backed him up. Um, and then you guys know the story as it unfolded, but yeah, that's all I kind of knew, I knew about it. It's just weird when you look back at raw interviews. So, so we did sort of change the ending of our film to make sure that's included. When you look, mm-hmm. and then you start when you hear that uh, that bomb gets dropped, you think back to like there's like you asked her at one point like what she thought of the women in his life, and she just kind of <laughs> gives like it's almost like at the time I didn't think anything of it, but now that I think back about it, she kind of just uh, she's like you know I mean they were you know they were reasonable to talk to or something like that like yeah. that's her answer. It was just such an odd answer. Yeah. And I actually said to her today, I said, were you guys dating when we did our interview? Like, were you? And she said, no, like I was going through my journey and process of it all as well. So you're like, okay, well, you definitely answer. I agree with you. Like there was definitely some answers that, um, it is so funny looking at raw footage. I mean, this must be what it's like to look at raw footage of like Muhammad Ali now, you know, you get like a Muhammad Ali quote and you're like, maybe he wasn't even trying to like have like an inspirational quote, but it was just something he said and we've turned it into like a mural on a wall. (laughs) Like it's really kind of a fun process going back into your films and seeing, seeing raw footage. I imagine so. Um, You may have touched on this, but how long was it uh, when you were doing, how long were you doing this before you finally, uh, I guess got the courage to to meet him and and then ultimately to go up to his uh, his actual apartment. 
How long did it take you to do that? We, I'd say maybe a year process Mm -hmm. of that, like that sort of journey of like, we have done these live streams as long as possible. What's next? Um, Mm -hmm. What's exciting to me now? What is he doing that's exciting? Because I can't watch another finance lesson. What is, what is it? And he's like, come find me, come see me. You're like, well, here we go. You know, it was kind of that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I would, that was a year process. And honestly, like I said, I really think I was the opening to like, then he went to jail really fast, like within, within yeah. 24 hours. Um, going up to him, there was an event. There was a Milo event. I was so weird. That whole process, that was a really weird some kind of like moment in culture that I, I think a lot of humans, like there was, it was, it was a combination of like, Trump supporting proud boy, the whole works. It was like, right. what is this? All I know is this is a really kind of creepy event and negative, but I knew yeah. if I didn't leave that event without at least saying it was about as like I had to say hi to him. It was like, there was an, there was some immediacy there. Um, I don't remember between then, I, like it's kind of a blur between then and going up to his apartment, but it, there was some time that passed for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. There's five years here, you know, we went and made other projects and other stuff. I wasn't always there every second. Um, you kind right. of, you'd go crazy if you did. Uh, oh, yeah. So, you know, like we're on the road a lot making films. So I know we, we had to, I'm very sure we had to go like even within the next week and then came back. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, I imagine you were, you were worried about like, you know, possibly meeting him and then him shutting you down immediately and then you not knowing what to do anymore i bet it took a while for you to get that courage to do that right i mean it was just this really crazy movie where i didn't have any script or like any any moments planned out i didn't even know how it was going to end i kind mm-hmm. of figured there could be something around the trial you know he was always going to have this trial in a little while um that i knew but uh no like i just knew i really wanted wu-tang in it right i really knew that <laughs> I really yeah. knew I wanted his, I wanted Ben Brafman. I wanted his lawyer. I think that his lawyer is a really odd, kind of well-spoken individual as well. It represents a lot of like villains in the world. Like he's, he's got a crazy kind of track record of that too. Um, mm. And people who aren't villains, by the way, he represented Jay-Z and P Diddy and stuff. And you're like, yeah. why aren't they? They were almost in the same. Okay. All right. This is weird. But I didn't have a, I didn't have um, anything. Like I didn't have any plan. That's what was, extremely um freeing but also like chaotic about this this film is putting it together you're like what did we just get last night what how do i where does that even fit uh Mm -hmm. it was an interesting way to make a film i also had to get over the fact that like not every documentary has to you know like uh you know save save the universe like it it was just right like they don't all have to make you turn vegan or, you know, right. tell, tell a bio <laughs> or save, save the dolphins. Like we don't have to do that. You just have to experience. And mm. if it's entertaining enough, an audience will watch it. And I, I truly think we accomplished that. This is extremely entertaining. There's no way that you can take your eyes off of this car crash of a, yeah. of a situation. And, and you're going through it through my eyes, which I think is really important versus just the headlines that were out there um, and the journalists speaking on it. I think there's something about having me kind of guide through it that that people can relate to, I hope. I'm sure um, he's aware of this documentary at this point. Have you heard anything about him? Has he said anything? I was just talking to Christy Smythe about that. Like, like 
you know, does he want to see it? Where, where they, I, I, but I never made it for Martin, right? I made this right. to sort of explain the Martin that we all know and get a little deeper on it. But um, I, I don't know because I, I don't, I haven't talked to him. I can't talk to him in uh, in prison. Like, I, so I'm not right. totally sure where he's at with it. Also, like, I don't really care. Like, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a bit of that. I don't know if he cares. Yeah. Um, and if he does care, great. And if he likes it. <laughs> fine if he doesn't like it fine like there's a bit of that um well yeah he had you have that actor who's in the musical in the in there who's like you know it was like you believe how insane it is that you know we're talking about how i feel about playing him in a play (laughs) and like you know he he probably loves that the you know the that all this attention that's being uh, focused on him and everything. I, <laughs> how was that musical, by the way? Was that fun to watch? That's pretty funny. So the musical starts, it opens up with a phone call uh, mm. from the director of the of the musical. And he just, and it, I was on the live stream when this guy called and he was like, hey, um, we just want to make a, a musical about you. And Martin just goes, fine. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> it's, like opening, it's a great opening. It's just like the, you know, the curtains go down and, and the lights go down to black and they just play the phone ringing and, and then it's up and then they go all over and they have a lot of fun. And, you know, Wu-Tang comes in at some point, like it's a really fun musical. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's just jokes. It's just, it's literally a bit of trolling and, and a yeah. lot of comedy and a lot of stupidity. And I, I just felt that that guy was so funny and he played yeah. Martin really well. And I was like, all right, let's get, let's get like a meta version of this. And that line where he's like, Martin would love probably soak this up and love this. And you're like, I don't even care. Yeah. I don't even care. If, I, I like it. So I don't care. I'm enjoying this process and I know the audience is going to too. Anything else for you guys? Yeah, Brent, I have uh, one serious question and one not-so-serious question. Which one do you want first? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Either one, actually. I'm good. Either one. Uh, Non-serious first. Non-serious first? Oh, wait. No, no. Serious first. This is the way you're supposed to do it. Okay. Serious first. I have to ask why or or if you made an attempt uh, to reach out to Lauren Duca uh, for the, the interview and how uh, that's obviously a very delicate uh, subject matter to handle. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on whether we explored this enough, uh, whether, you know, the danger that was presented uh, to her uh, was obvious enough to really merit a, a large section of it. And it, so it sounds like you did reach out to her for, for common at least. Yeah, I did. I got on a phone call with her. I tried to interview her like three or four times and she, mm. she was, she honestly, she, she was like, I'm happy to talk about my experience and go through this. I think women should hear this. It was more like, I don't want any more attention from any of his followers though. Like in mm. my mood is in a sentence online again with his, like this is actually starting to go away and I don't have to have, 24 hour security around me and like, you know, all this stuff. I was like, Whoa, this is real. She goes, Oh, this is ruining my life, completely ruining my life. So, uh, it got, it got real. That was not a joke. And that part's really fucked up. Um, yeah. You know, and for anyone who's listening, doesn't know, like just, just Google Lauren Duca and and Martin, but essentially it was trolling to its nth degree. It was harassment and it wasn't necessarily, coming from martin he would have some jokes and play it up but it was the followers that that followed behind that really made her life hell 
um, mm-hmm. based off of journalism that wrote bad crap about him. Uh, it wasn't even that bad. So like that, that got a little, little freaky. Um, I did talk to her. I did try to get her in the movie. I told her I'm going to play that one part in the movie that she, she does. I think she did it on Teen Vogue or something. She did this sort of piece. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I got serious. And, and you know, the consequences came. He was kicked off of Twitter because of it. And it was brought up in the trial, uh, mm-hmm. along with all the other domain names that he bought of people. Like, that's a weird shit. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. What yeah. a weird sort of like internet power move, you know? If you want to say... The drug thing is the drug thing. You know, we explain it, I think, as well as possible in the film. But if you want to look at the two sides, I think the Wu-Tang part of things is pretty genius on his part. I think mm-hmm. the female journalist thing is really screwed up. Like, yeah, it is. so eerie. Um, well, that's where you're, you you talk about a horror movie. You know, when you, when you look at the, the, the harm that somebody like Milo Yiannopoulos and, and Shikrelli have done on a practical level, um, you know, Yes, they are caricatures and they're well-formed caricatures, but is there an implicit, and I don't mean this to sound pejorative because I, I did very much enjoy the movie, but is there an implicit kind of sign-off on on this by you being so impartial to the trolling, <laughs> to being so observational of it, uh, rather than being so uh, condemning of it? I know what you're saying. And I kind of, I, I'm, I'm like, there's a, there's a, if I'm having to be impartial about everything, I have to be impartial about it all. It's like yeah. this weird, yeah. cause, but I, but you know, I do, I do sort of hit it with my opinion in, in those parts. Like I, I sort of face Billy the fridge and say, I don't think he understands the damage he's done. And it's like, well, what damage has he done? And you're like, what do you mean? Like there is right. a bit, so there is conflict. Um, but I don't have the conclusion either. So that's the hard part. Right. I mean, if I was in a position where I actually had a conclusion to how, how this could be solved or how it could be different or like that, it, I, I don't, I, I don't think it'll take, I hope it doesn't take too many people to realize that's wrong, you know? Um, and we just play it out. You play it out. Well, what happened? What did the world do? Well, the world brought it up in trial and the world took kicked them off Twitter and like, all right, well, we're, we're just going to leave it at that. I guess it becomes a blip in this big, large story, which sucks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, because in, the the whole narrative is based on this this caricature and not the individual actions, and especially how it hits you know the people in that radius, right? If you could have like commentary, if you could have a moment where you go, where you can pull away from the film, almost like a Shakespearean moment, and you go, like pull it and go. Mm-hmm. I just want to remind everyone that this, this was um, 20, end of 2015, 2016. Me Too movement hadn't happened yet. Uh, we hadn't had cancel culture. I just want to let you know that impact of this moment probably and hopefully with the learnings that we've had over the last few years would have mm-hmm. changed or been more, more, more direct towards Mark. Thank you. And like back in the movie, like I would love right. to have that aside, but you're kind of yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a weird aside to have. I think that the times – Oddly, even though it was a few years ago, are different, and um, you know, I really do hope that that they've stopped and like that, that this film doesn't recreate any. I would absolutely hate if this film brought a trolling element uh, attention to to these journalists again because that's that's wrong and that's not the right. I appreciate that. I, I know, it, yeah. it, and it's it's got to be hard to be an impartial impartial documentarian 
in a in a situation that's so emotionally charged like this, right? Yeah. Where you, where you especially something that you've devoted a substantial amount of your life to moving in and you know looking through this footage and and things like that. But I do respect that that you uh, remained as observational as possible, sure. uh, even though you're trying to interact with this guy on a on a personal level. It's all for the the service of you know the story of what you see, and that's got to be hard though, right? I mean, it's hard, but I, I can make it extremely clear that I, I think he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, it's, you know, hey, I, there, I there's the poll quote right there. there <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> But I, honestly, to say. I, I, I hope that comes across too. I think in the end, it's sort of like, I don't know how I feel about this guy. I don't really know how I felt about him before, but yeah. I have gone through my journey and like you can uh, conclusion, you can go to jail for being an, a total asshole. Like that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the reality of it. Did he do anything wrong in the farmer world? No, like, like, like morally maybe, but not legally. Okay, fine. Like he's where he is because of how he acted and reacted. Like, he knows that like, this is, this guy's fucking smart. Like, it, and so I think, um, that doesn't mean that he, 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 he doesn't have the ability to do great things and he doesn't have the ability to come out of jail and do great things. I don't think that, 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 I think there's a possibility there, whether the world will accept it, who knows? I mean, I gotcha. he, he's a great example of, you know, it doesn't matter how much good you can find out of him. There's a lot of bottom line, evil shit that this guy's done. And, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, you might be a nice guy, but you still jacked up the price of these pills. Yeah, you might be. A, he, he does say I'm not a nice guy in one of the streams. Yeah. Uh, but but still, like, if you find anything good about him, there's still a lot of bottom line stuff. That trolling stuff, man, it's like, you know, they don't seem to understand the damage that's caused because they're just in their eyes. It's funny to them that they're doing all this stuff and they don't see the other side of the wall where there's all these followers who come in and just ruin people's lives. They don't see that part of it. So no, um, I mean, I mean, and, and I don't know, like maybe he, maybe he does now, maybe he sort of had a moment to reflect on it. I don't know. I don't really like, I don't know where his brain is at with that, but I, you're exactly right. Like there's literal, literal quotes from him. They're on camera that he recorded for our purposes that mm-hmm. show him. I don't even know if that's the real him though. Like, is it, is he yeah. just playing into the Bond villain thing? Like, do you really think that? Um, Cause really he also paid a lot of money to philanthropy and do that. So that was kind of the amazing part about this is like, if anything in anything I learned is like, it, maybe a, an evil persona or evil character isn't one dimensional. And that's kind of, kind of great. There's a lot more layers to that. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, but still, I think there is a conclusion. I, I think I was impartial, but I can still say that, like, that journey and the experience of, of that, like, I, my mind wasn't changed. This person, mm-hmm. um, this person did a lot of things that aren't, aren't right. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. All right. So I said this is a non-serious question, but this is a very, very serious question. This okay. is the last thing I'll ask. Okay. What the fuck is that thing at the bottom of of Billy the Fridge's chain? Is that like a French <laughs> crawler? It's a donut. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a honey cruller, like a donut. Oh my, oh my god. god! Yeah, yeah. That is, uh, it's remarkable. I want it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, I, I was so distracted. The guys, the guys, uh, very magnetic, and 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 very talented at whatever he does. But I could not take my eye off of that. What chain. does he say? He's like a five hundred pound puppy dog, or he says something like no, that, he's, right? He's, uh, 500 pound sex symbol. That's He's right. Marilyn, yeah. Marilyn Monroe of fat dudes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
kind of no sense. Um, Billy the fridge, you know, you know go follow him now. Uh, he's he's very much Billy the mini fridge now. He's lost a ton of weight. What? Oh, no. oh come on. Yep. Hey, yeah. He's busting his whole brand. Yeah. He's going to hate seeing this, man. <laughs> I, I, I loved interviewing Billy the fridge. That was, it's one of one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. I just thought was, he's, he's just so real and it took a little bit of time. Like that was much, that was after Martin went to jail and he was like, no, I'm not doing interviews. With, I don't care what movies you've made and if they're funny, like we're not doing that. Um, and then eventually he was like, fine, let's, you know what? I'm going to do it. And uh, it was, it was just so real and phenomenal and like genuine um, and he, he's, he veers on the other side. He really, he thinks the journalist stuff's funny and he's like, Lauren who? Oh yeah. Like he jokes about it and you're like, no man. Like we, so we, there was contention, but also, um, just sort of like some understanding from, from, from both of us. It was really, really great to interview him. He's got a sick donut chain too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like we are running into our uh, time limit here. Uh, Brent Hodge, thank you so much for coming on the Sendcast and talking about your movie. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, Farm, Farmer Bro, October 5th. It's out in the world. Yeah, yeah. he he said it. I was going to say it, but he said it. That's awesome, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, it come, yeah. Yeah. comes out on the digital platforms, basically. Is, is that what it is, digital platforms? Yeah, it'll be every and the eleven uh, sorry ten ninety one Blumhouse like you Google this film you'll you'll find a place it's gonna be everywhere. Yeah. Um, all right, we'd like to thank uh, Brent for giving us his time. Uh, that's gonna do it for this interview. It's Chris Atkins and Barrett Share and Jonathan Watkins. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.